Amen. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. We give uh, the, Happy New Year. Happy give, New Year, sir. Yeah, Happy New Year. We give the Lord God Almighty praise for the gift of 2022. And we thank him that he has made us to see today. Blessed be God Almighty. Amen. 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 Just a moment. Okay, we we would like to start this study with your word of prayer. Father, we are gathered at your feet to learn and to be empowered as we begin our journey into 2022. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher, our guardian, and our guide. That this year will be fruitful in all our lives individually. To the end that your kingdom may prosper in us and prosper through us. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy New Year again, everyone. It is a journey that we have begun three days ago. And what is primarily important in the beginning of a journey is to be sure that you and I are traveling correctly. And that's why our meditation or our study today is on the journey of grace through faith, how we travel our life's journey <clears throat> by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2. We go to Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive, verse 1 says, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the children and sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature children of wrath, just as the others. As for, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Amen. We must lift up our voices to thank the Lord for the gift of 2022. We are creatures of time. We are taught 
to number our days so we would apply our hearts to wisdom. Psalm 912, and that wisdom, it comes through meditation in the word of God. The psalmist said of the word of God in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Then verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. The sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. In verse 11, moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is definitely great reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Our testimony is that on January, you know, some of, some of you um, uh, know uh, the testimony of uh, um, the series of prayers that uh, we have begun, okay? And, and those series of prayers started off in, in 2017, and they came out of a burden to see men and women revived, walking in the footprints of Jesus, living lives that glorify God. And those prayers keep going on and on and on. And we have circulated the, the Zoom links for those prayers. And I would like to encourage everyone to be a part of it because we sense that heaven is going to move on those prayers. Amen. Not too long from now. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. 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 Now, okay, now we go to our subject, the journey of grace through faith. This is the way we must travel life as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. As men and women who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, our journey must be by grace through faith. We have to ensure going forward, particularly in this 2022, that we travel the year by grace through faith, no matter how successful and no matter how challenging our lot. It is grace that ensures that when 2022 is over, we shall stand to chant like Zerubbabel in Zechariah chapter four, six and seven. Grace, grace, grace. This is all of grace. Zechariah four, six and seven says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. 
and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace, grace to it. Hallelujah. By the awesome grace of God, we shall bring forth the accomplishments of his grace in our lives in 2022 with shouts of grace, grace, grace. It is the testimony of God's grace. Amen. 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 Now, it is important then for us to ask ourselves, what is grace? Let us go to New Ongas Bible Dictionary for help. According to Luis Perry Schaefer in his systematic theology, grace is what God may be free to do. And indeed, what he does accordingly for the lost, for the unsaved, for the sinner. Because Christ has died on their behalf. What God does for the lost, for the unsaved, for the sinner. And what he does for the saints as well. Because Christ died for them. You know, Charles Podger uh, uh, wrote in his book, all of grace, that judicial pattern does some, did something for God, that Calvary did something for God. He made it possible for God to show mercy without violating justice. You know, a lot of times we can do that as human beings because in order to show mercy without violating justice, there must be a substitute. That's why Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and paid the price for sin so sinners can be forgiven. Okay? So it is thus apparent that God's grace is to be distinguished from God's mercy and love. Ephesians 2, where we read, says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Mercy is therefore the compassion of God that moved him to provide a savior for the unsaved. Had God been able to save even one soul on the ground of his sovereign mercy alone, he could have saved every person on, the, on that basis. Okay? And the death of Christ would not have been necessary at all. Divine love, on the other hand, is the motivating plan behind all that God does in saving a soul. But since God is holy and righteous, and sin is a complete offense to him, his love or his mercy cannot operate in grace until there is provided a sufficient satisfaction for sin. That is it. Un unless, if not that Christ went to the cross and paid a penalty for our sins, grace would have been impossible. The key then is that the sacrifice of Jesus made it possible for God to show mercy without violating justice. Always remember 
that for God, everything has to be right. Mercy could only triumph over justice because of the sacrifice of Calvary, where the penalty for sin was fully served. Grace only became possible after that. So when you are thinking of our journey in 2022, and we are saying that we must travel 2022 by grace through faith, you begin to realize that grace is one of the most advantageous, is the most advantageous position for a human being to be on this earth, where Jesus has paid full for your sins and mine, so that God can show us mercy and show us favor. Love provided the sacrifice that produced grace. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world. It was love that provided the sacrifice that then produced grace. This is why grace is seen in a person, particularly the teaching grace that enlightens us on the way to godliness and holiness, as we shall see later. In this study, therefore, we shall look at grace in four key areas. The first is the saving grace. The next is the teaching grace. Because you see, if you, if you and I are travel, traveling 2022, don't forget 2022 is an unknown quantity completely. And that's why we need the grace of God to pilot us carefully, gingerly, so that we will make a success of our lives because of him and his grace. The third, of course, is the overcoming grace or the abundant grace that makes us triumph in every situation. Then the fourth is the abiding grace that's always present in every situation. So let's, let's go first to the saving grace because a lot of people are saved but they don't understand what transpired. And that knowledge is necessary to grow loyalty. You see, a man can um, go through university and the, 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 the authorities told him your fees have been paid from the day you entered till the day you graduated, but they never said who paid. They just said it's been paid. But then by the time he was graduating, he started to ask questions, who paid? And when he was told who paid, he went over to express his gratitude and to show his recognition of what was done for him so that he can be loyal and obedient. The saving grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I believe that saving grace is the door, is the gateway to all other dimensions or manifestations of God's grace. But we need to note a few vital things about this grace. It rules out. Everybody needs to know that. This saving grace, it rules out all human merit it only walks through faith in the Savior 
who is the author of the grace. The apostle made this point in Romans 11:6, where he said, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So, a lot of people are confused about that. But the way to understand it clearly is that when we come to God through the grace that exists in Christ Jesus, when we come to God through that grace, we are not coming to earn what he has already given. You see, he has already given it. Okay. So when we now serve him, when we now show loyalty and obedience, it is out of gratitude, not to merit what we have already received. Everybody needs to get that clear so that you cannot begin to think that because I appear to be more loyal, more submitted, working harder, that that's why I merit. Ah, that's no such word. Nobody merits. Everybody comes on the same, on the same uh, uh, platform. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. And this is why we speak about judicial pardon. The judge pardons the guilty because of substitution. You see, because of substitution. Our Lord Jesus took our punishment for sin on the cross of Calvary so we could be pardoned of any and all our sins. But there must be repentance, as we will see. There is no admixture of part grace and part works. No. It is an undeserving favor needed to humanity through the sacrifice of God's Son, made available to all who believe or trust him for their salvation. Grace is therefore a way of escape provided by Almighty God in his son, Jesus Christ. But we must note that only the repentant who come in faith to the Savior can benefit. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he made it clear in that great teaching parable on the Father's love for his prodigal son and all erring children of God. Here is the son's Repentance, clearly stated in Luke 15, 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 21. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. <clears throat> and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Notice that repentance, a lot of people need to have a clear understanding of repentance. It's about change of heart and a turnaround from the wayward ways, from the worldly ways that he had previously chosen. He came to his senses, albeit driven by suffering, and decided to return to his father. Repentance is a turnaround. An eight-year-old boy was asked, what is repentance? He gave them one of the most apt answers. He said, repentance is like a man going in one direction. Then he meets Jesus. He turns around and goes in the opposite direction. That's it. There must be change. See, when people say, I have surrendered my life to Christ, the implication is that you have repented of your sins and you are no longer going to go back to them. Those who give the suggestion, however faint, that when you come to Christ, God has become tolerant of sin. Oh, that is terribly unscriptural. There is nowhere you will find that. That salvation makes God tolerant of sin. It doesn't. Because by nature, it's impossible. By the nature of God, it is impossible. Also, repentance requires humility. Oh, yes. You know, nobody can be genuinely repentant unless they are genuinely humble. They realize that there is no way I can. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ said, blessed are the poor in, heart, in spirit. You know, for this is the kingdom of God. Yes, the poor in spirit are those who realize that no matter how much they try, they can never meet God's standard. And so they humble themselves and accept the provision that God has made in Christ Jesus. And as a result, they consider themselves totally indebted to Christ who made the sacrifice. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.14 when he said, for the love of Christ compels me. Yes. Having realized how through the sacrifice of Christ, a sinner has become a saint, then the sinner is obligated to love and serve the Savior. Repentance needs action. It is not enough to feel guilty or feel bad or remorseful. But we must arise to make that change, to go in the opposite direction. It is so powerfully important that believers should understand repentance because that's what would change the world. When we speak, for instance, in, in Nigeria here about corruption, evil, wickedness, you know, and then you find that some of the perpetrators, you know, are also in church, then it does not make any sense. They do not understand repentance. Because once a person genuinely repents, they stop doing evil. They stop doing evil. It is not that they have repented and they continue to do evil. That does not make any sense at all. You see, if the church, if we, you and I, the church, we want to change the world, then all of us must understand repentance and walk in it so that when we get to that same office where we were part of the corruption, we will begin to say, no, 
what we are doing is wrong. We will do it no more. I will do it no more. Oh, yes. If we do not do that, then our confession and profession of Christ is meaningless because we are not genuinely repentant of our sins. The son in this prodigal son, uh, prodigal, the prodigal son story, this parable, the son did not come back home to continue his life of profligacy and debauchery at home. It's a, the father would have totally been intolerant of that. Absolutely. The father would not tolerate that. By coming home, the son was admitting that the way he had chosen was the wrong way to go. He was ready to live under the father's control and do the father's will subsequently. That's why if we are going to go through 2022 by grace, through faith, oh yes, we are going to really walk in genuine repentance. You know, even in personal relationships, in the family, whether it's immediate or, or, or uh, uh, extended family, when we understand genuine repentance, relationships become easy. That means if for any reason I offend you, I'm going to come and say I'm sorry and apologize. And then I won't do it again. But can you imagine a situation where I come every day and say, oh, I'm really sorry for that. And then the next minute I do it again. After a while, aren't you going to say to me, please take that here sorry somewhere else. I don't want to hear it anymore because it is meaningless nonsense. So as we, for everyone that is determined to journey by grace, because the advantages, the advantages of traveling by grace through faith, they are unbelievable. Because grace is what extends our capacity beyond our ability. You know, it's awesome when you understand how grace really, when you and I understand how grace works, it takes us beyond the limits of our ability so that the glory of God can be manifest in us and through us. It's amazing. When you, when you come face to face with things that you, you, you sense are quite overwhelming for you, but because of the grace of God, you find yourself sitting on top of the situation. That's awesome. And that's why it is important to come to the fundamentals, to the, to the, to the foundations and understand what traveling by grace through faith is all about. Grace was revealed through the Father's love. It was the Father's love that forgave and restored the prodigal son. Give him back his status. That is the awesome thing about grace. Because like we have studied once here before, in Colossians, he said, he made him, he made us holy. He made us unblameable. He made us unreprovable before God. That's what grace does. Takes sinners, qualifies them, qualifies them. Grace qualifies them, qualifiable, so that mercy and favor can be given to them without violating justice. Notice that no prodigal can return home to the father to continue in his profligate ways or his wayward ways. This is why we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, this is the scripture you give to every new Christian. That the moment you come to Christ, you must begin to think about old things that have to pass away. And all the things you have not been doing, the new things that must come. You know, as, but several years ago, I, I, I was teaching on this 2 Corinthians 5.17. And what came to me was that a man must stand after he's given his life to Christ must stand at the point of divide. And then he look on the left, he see all the old things that have passed away. And then he looks on the right and he sees all the new things that have come and those that are yet to come, you see? So there must be a clean break. I remember, the man must always, I remember what I used to be like, what I used to do, how I used to do. But now, thank God, I know better because the grace of God has opened my eyes and taught me how to live. Now, from saving grace, we move quickly to teaching grace. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, you see, the grace that is teaching us that we must deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, okay? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance for great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. The word is purify for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Now, notice that it is the grace of God that brought salvation from the Father to us. That grace is Jesus Christ himself. Notice that our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave himself for us by suffering the penalty of death for sin. We should have suffered. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But what did he come to teach us? The first is to deny reject, repudiate all forms of ungodliness and worldly lusts. So if you and I are going to travel 2022 by grace, through faith, we are going to deny all ungodliness or godlessness all worldly lusts. Now, let us take ungodliness then. What exactly does that mean? The Greek word is bebelos, which is translated godless charter. Okay? This is the description of the man 
who is not just without God in his life, but is also in opposition to God. So it's not enough that the godless don't care about God, they don't know, but they oppose. They oppose everything, you know. You know, the psalmist said, um, the man, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, okay? Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth in the seat of the scornful, okay? The ungodly, they, they, they progress till they become scornful and disdainful of those who seek God in their lives. Now, from ungodliness, we come to worldly lusts. The Bible tells us that we have three basic sinful temptations to reject or deny and avoid. Here are the three in 1 John 2, 16 to 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Three, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, there is no need to gainsay what these lusts are, because the Bible also states them clearly. The lust of the flesh here is called the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 from verse 19 to 21. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. Now, you and I must face the reality of the fact that there is sexual immorality in the church. Yes. So it is quite important that we talk about it so that the Bible says when you, when you bring something to light, then you can purge it. You can purge it. A young lady said to me, oh, uh, uh, I needed a counsel. Then um, uh, a brother uh, uh, or some assistant pastor in the church you know, you know, it was uh, delegated to help me. And then uh, he said, okay, that I should stop by his house. But when I, I got there, I thought he was a married man. He said, I saw he, his wife and children were not there. And then when I sensed that uh, he didn't have the pure motives, I just ran out of his house. In church? That is it. That is it. So we need to address it. And those who are still not able to deal with this need to understand how the spirit will study it in Colossians, how the spirit mortifies the flesh. I've said it repeatedly that those who live holy, they don't have stronger willpower than those who fall. No, no, that's not the way it works. The way it works is that if you and I have a serious temptation that troubles, a temptation that troubles us rather, we'll go to God and say, I want to stop this evil thing I'm doing. I want to stop it. Holy Spirit, please come and kill that desire in me. That is it. Because the Bible says, 
If you by the spirit mortify the flesh, that's why everything is by faith, is by grace through faith. So when I say that prayer, I trust like Jesus said, what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. So when I say that prayer, I arise from there, believing that the power of God has come into my life. And this is why, you know, when a, a, a few days, a few weeks later, you realize that, oh, this desire has left. Somebody might turn around and say, ah, how did it, what really happened? You say, I don't know. I just offered it to the Holy Spirit. He took it from me. I don't know how he took it, but I don't have those desires anymore. I don't have those pressures anymore. So it is not because the, the, the man that is living godly is stronger than the man that is living ungodly. No. It is because he knows how to go to God to mortify the flesh. And anybody can do that. But the difference when they come to God is, are they sincere in their desire to stop? And I can guarantee you that anyone who is sincere in their desire to stop doing evil, uh -uh, this is what the Holy Spirit is for. When you go to him and you're sincere, he will empower you. He will give you grace that, that will climb over that mountain. That's why he's called the spirit of grace. So sexual immorality, impurity, promiscuity. They said um, that, that the church is ravaged by pornography because um, it's available on the internet, on phones and iPads and all kinds of places. And many Christians are trapped there. We need to talk about it because the Holy Spirit can't work in the church when such things are going on. It's just not possible. So we can have our own type of revival where we really feel excited. Everybody feels hot. But for the spirit to be bringing conviction and conversion, no, the vessels have to be cleaned out. And if you've been attending careless, I've said it repeatedly, that the anointing doesn't hang in the air. People bring it. You know, the spirit needs a body to walk through. So the same with the Holy Spirit. He needs you clean vessels to walk through. And that's why we need to pursue this vigorously, this 2022, so that the church can begin to impact the world. Because we've cleaned up our acts so that the Holy Spirit can work unhindered. Sexual immorality, impurity, promiscuity, idolatry. And, and we always remember, you know, idols can be anything. Even the job can be an idol. You know, the car, the wife, the, the child, you know, can be an idol. You just have to be sensitive that nothing is taking precedence over God because that's what the first commandment is it's all about. You shall not have any other God before me. That's what the first commandment says. They didn't say you shouldn't have other loves, but they mustn't come before me. That witchcraft exists in the church is, 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 uh, uh, is, is quite obvious. Because you find people who, 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 who come for prayers and still go to Babalao and do all, or to the native doctor and collect charms and all, all kinds of things. You know, 
because they think, uh, they think they need more help to solve their problems. You see, if we have vessels like that, they will hinder the spirit. And if we don't talk about it, then we are not serious about the move of the spirit. Because the vessels have to be cleaned out. And when we talk about this cleaning out of vessels, oh, don't bother to think about another person because you can't clean out their lives. Just, just concentrate on yourself. That I must clean out my act so that I will be a vessel through whom the Holy Spirit can reach the world. Okay? Hatred, rivalry, jealousy. We can go through all of these. We just mentioned them. Outbursts of anger, quarrels, conflicts, factions, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild partying, and things like that. You know, sometimes when you hear Christians talk about parties, you, 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 you sense that they may be missing, feel, they feel they, be, they are missing out on the world. You know, I told you before that I went to a birthday party and, and I saw them smooshing and I'm like, so these people are really missing this thing. You know, I told them, I said, well, we dance, but that's not the way we dance. You know, so it's important for you and I to focus this 2022 and say, Lord Jesus, make me a vessel you can use. No, it is not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen uh, 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 by magic. No, it, it, the, the outpouring of the spirit happens when people begin to clean out their lives and their act because they want the spirit to move in their world. Now, the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, I've told you in the past that people who practice these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our teaching grace then tells us to stay away from these evils and every other evil, as we are told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 to 22, instead test everything. Hold on to what is good. Then verse 22, keep away from every kind of evil. Now, what about worldly lusts? Lust is the desire for what is forbidden, okay? We gain insight into what is forbidden through the law. As we are told in Romans 3.20, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So when we study the law, we see all the things that are forbidden. That's why we read the Bible. As we study the word of God, we see all the things that are forbidden. And then lust is that hunger, desire for something that is forbidden. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15.34, the Bible says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Say, for some of you don't have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You don't have the knowledge of God because you think that a man can come to God and continue to live in sin. The law was our schoolmaster, training us in the way of godliness. Galatians 3, 24 to 25. 
Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. But after faith has come, we're no longer a tutor. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we change tutors. Instead of the law, we now have the Holy Spirit to teach us to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law. Romans 8, 3 to 4 says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, my brother, my sister, let us remember that as we travel this 2022, we will have various challenges, undoubtedly. There may be needs, physical, spiritual, material. Anything can be pose a challenge as we go along. And for each challenge, we need to bring the power of God into our world. And that is why the saving grace and the teaching grace are so vital to this journey so that we'll position ourselves always to be able to bring the power of God down into our world and into our situation. The Lord does not empower people to keep its righteous requirements. It only tells them when they are wrong and when they are right. It does not empower them to choose the right and not the wrong. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. And we access him by faith. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law by following the higher law of love for God and love for our neighbor. You know, we don't have time today to go into that. That those, the Bible, the Bible says that if you walk in love for God, for man, you fulfill the whole law. We must remember that love is a commandment, as we are told. A lot of people don't like the word commandment in grace. I say, but love is a commandment, which is the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. What is the two laws revealed in Romans 8.2? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's one law. It has freed me from the law of sin and death. That's another law. One law freed me from another law. The law of the spirit of life here in Christ Jesus is the higher law of love, which our Lord Jesus gave to us. A new commandment, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you. You love one another. So I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. This higher law of love is where our Lord Jesus operated while he was here on earth. Listen to him in John 15, 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just, that is, in the same way as I have kept my Father's commandment, and so abide in his love. So our Lord Jesus Christ has given us how we should live this life of grace through faith. He said, obedience 
to God's commandments, it will, it will, um, sorry. Obedience to God's commandments, it will open the door to great revelation and power of God in our lives. Those who walk in the higher law of love have fulfilled all the commandments. That's what we learn from Romans 13, 8 to 10. Now, one more thing before um, we wind down now. We are also to live soberly. What exactly does this mean? The Greek word is sophronos, which means sound mind. According to practical world studies, the word means to be balanced, to be sane, to be in one's right mind, to think sensibly, to be serious with the things of God, to be honest about our faith and loyalty to God. And then finally, we are also to live righteously. And this is to do the right thing, you know, to do it consistently, to treat others like one should, do good to them, give them their due share, don't oppress, don't cheat, don't threaten. All the things that we have been told in the word of God. It also means doing things the way the Bible has taught us. Avoiding all forms of selfishness, insensitivity to the needs of people around us. You know, Christians are not just to be church people. That, that people who are taught in the way of Christ and who go into their workplace and practice what the Bible has taught us. And then we will be shining the light in the world. And before you know it, the world around us is changing because we are changed. The world around us is changing because we are changed, okay? We also to live godly in this present world. To live godly is to be God-fearing, you know, because of God, there's no way I can do that. Because I have the fear of God in my heart. You know, when I, when I hear some stories, I said, like Abraham said, I sense that there is no fear of God in this place. That's it. That's why there's so much evil. But when Christians bring the fear of God into their world, and people see that in their own dealings, they have the fear of God in them, oh, then we change our world. Because the Holy Spirit will then transmit that fear to the world around us, that fear of God that is in us. So, they are God-fearing, they are devout, they are reverent, they are worshipful, they are very careful. They're godly. It means persons who handle all matters carefully and spiritually ensuring that what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. Timothy was admonished to exercise himself in godliness in 1 Timothy 4 7. But reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself. It's practical. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Godliness, therefore, has practical applications. When a person is godly, you have expectations of him or her that they will do what is right and reject what is wrong, no matter the circumstance. Through godliness, we, the church, 
of Jesus Christ. We are to bring the world into Christ by preaching the gospel without words, but through revealing the nature and character of Christ in our interactions with the world. The teaching grace is so powerful that it brings forth the truth about our calling in Christ in his practical dimensions. Our Lord Jesus had this in mind when he said to the Jews, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Let us remember that the teaching grace is indispensable to revival. After we have been anointed, we must be taught the ways of Christ and what it means to lead a godly life on this earth. In our next study, we shall conclude this, you know, because it says it's a traveling program or traveling philosophy by grace through faith so that we don't start believing when we have not even understood what the grace we are operating in is all about. Oh, you just hear of grace, ah, Christ has forgiven me, and then I can go and do as I like. Nobody's, nobody taught that. That is not in the scriptures. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, doctor. So it's obviously, like you said, it's a traveling program and uh, we continue. But so today we're able to look at the saving grace and the teaching grace. And uh, I like the, the analogy, the illustration that you brought about the uh, young boy who said uh, repentance. repentance is when you're going one way and then you meet the Lord Jesus and go another way. Can you please just go over that again? Because with this, this basic foundational concept seems to be missing where people think that they can continue along the same path, having received grace. It is, it is impossible. Um, 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 the best way to, to, to put it is to, to look at John's preaching. John was the first to preach repentance. Because then when people thought John was conducting a social movement, so all kinds of people started uh, 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 coming to his baptism. And John said to them, listen, it's not coming to be uh, uh, dipped in Jordan that's important. You must bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. So there must be change. There must be change. That young man's, young, young boy's illustration shows that when you meet Christ, you realize the first realization is that you are headed in the wrong direction. So you turn around. That turnaround is what we call repentance. Change, change, change. Take away change. Repentance is meaningless. And so every Christian, you see, it, the, the, the thing about repentance is it's a it's a, a mileage counter. You know, I, I, I use that illustration in one of my books that repentance is a mileage counter. So once, once you have repented of something, then you've crossed that place, you put it behind, you repented another. And by, after a while, you're able to say, well, when I came to Christ, I had 10 things that were really a problem in my life. But thank God, all those 10 things are behind me now. Yes, there are new challenges. There are still new challenges. You know, going deeper, 
in the dimensions of love, humility, kindness, going deeper, but no longer in immorality and witchcraft and all those things. You know, I, a, a gentleman gave a testimony that he was about to uh, uh, have an altercation um, with his mother. And all of a sudden, um, the, the scripture floated into his mind that the Bible says, a man of God must not strive. A man of God must not strive. Sorry. He said a man of God must not strive. So as a result of that, you know, he quit. And that's, that's the power of scripture. A man of God must not strive. And once you hear that, you stop. You stop. I, I, I know, sir, this is, this is really important because we now live in the social media generation and the constant refrain we hear now is, don't judge me. Don't judge me. When you point out that something is not right, the answer you get, the refrain is, don't judge me. Can, well, you, sir, can, you, address, can you address this issue about thou shalt not judge? Because that's what every unbeliever and every no, person that, that's that a difference. There is a difference between unbelievers and believers. Okay, I think I showed that scripture in um, it's in um, First Corinthians chapter six. Let's just look at it briefly. Sure. Okay. Um, can you look at verse 12? Oh, no, no, it's five. First Corinthians five, verse 12, I think it is. Go, go down. Don't know what this might. No, no. Keep going, keep going. Is this first Corinthians five? No, oh, this sorry, is six. This is, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, go okay. on. Yes, go on a little more. Yes. Yeah, verse, verse 11. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now look at verse 12. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Who are those who are outside? Unbelievers. Do you not judge those who are inside? Who are, who are those inside? The Christians. In other words, you have to point out to your brother or to your sister that what he's doing is wrong. That's why we are in a body. That's why they said Christ call us the body of Christ. So you cannot say that the hand you know, the, the, the feet cannot move away from fire because it's the hand that is getting burnt. No, <laughs> you know, because when you are a body, everybody's working together for the good of the body, okay? And so the Bible says in that verse 13, what business have I to judge those who are without? Who, who are without? He said, those who are without, the word of God has already judged, okay? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away you from yourselves the evil person. Yes. So unbelievers have already been, 
are judged by the word of God. So I don't have to judge them. I have to show them the way of escape from, their, from the evil that they're in. That's why that is a, where repentance is so important. For, for, through repentance, then, then they can come out into a new life. Thank you very much, sir. You know, uh, we've run out of time, so you will take a prayer, and like you said, we'll continue next week, sir. Thank you, sir. Father, we are so grateful that uh, at the beginning of this new year, you are taking us through grace to understand the work of grace through faith so that we will lead victorious lives in this 2022. We will bring down the glory in our world. We will cause your name to be magnified amongst men. And unbelievers will hear and see, and they will come to know you and to love you. May this be our testimony, this 2022, that we have become instruments of your grace. And Lord, if there be any that are yet to know you, may your spirit touch their hearts now. That as they pray and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, a new world will begin for them. And Lord, if there be any, that need your touch in any way, may your spirit minister to them now. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.